0: Welcome to Understanding the Law. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, and I'm a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the Law Offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast where we discuss a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. Today we're going to wrap up our 3-week uh, session that uh, de- deals with back to school and protecting our children. Last week we were fortunate to have a guest Lisa Shank who discussed with us the impact of self-esteem and uh, bullying on students and she shared her own experience. Uh, with her her son, Tim, and we appreciate her being on the air and and discussing her personal story with us. Today, we are going to look at bullying and negligent supervision by giving examples of actual cases and try to highlight some of the issues that were relevant uh, to the court's determination or to the, the settlement. And the hope is that by seeing these real-world examples, you're going to get a better understanding of bullying and uh, and negligent supervision. So the first one I'm going to start off with uh, deals with a student who was in middle school. And the student was a very shy, introverted girl who was in class with a strong-willed and, and strong personality uh, female. And we're talking about fourth graders, so we're not talking about 16, 17-year-old girls. We're talking about young kids. And when she was in third grade or second grade, I'm sorry, second grade, uh, her and this girl had a little bit of a a conflict. Um, Unfortunately, it was something that was ongoing throughout the year where Girl B, who we're going to call the bully, uh, would make fun of Girl A because... She was adopted because she looked different than her parents. And it was a a, a real tragedy. Um, but Girl B, the bully, her mother was big in the town, big on the school board. And so even when Girl A's parents brought it to the attention of the school, the school was hesitant to do anything. They did not want to upset girl B's mother because of the political influence that that she would have. So second grade passed and then the girls moved into third grade. And even though girl A and her parents had lodged so many complaints about the bullying that was going on, nothing was done. And would you believe that that next year they put the two girls together in the same class again? And, of course, when you do that, you know, things aren't going to get better. We're talking about kids who have had a a troubled history. One girl, girl A, being bullied by this other girl. But the school didn't look at it like that. They didn't see it as being bullied. They were able to reason in their head that this was just uh, girls and, and pranks. But there's a fine line between bullying and pranks and fun. And when somebody is hurt, even if, a reasonable person wouldn't feel as though those comments were, were hurtful. When somebody is hurt, you've got to deal with it. And unfortunately, the school did not deal with it. So now in third grade, these two girls are together and the bullying continues because now girl A is an easy target. Girl B has her group of friends and, and she's you know talking to them about the fact that girl A is adopted and it gets worse and worse and worse. And finally, girl A can't take it anymore. And she goes home and tells her mother she wants to be removed from the class. She can't stand it anymore. She can't stand crying. She can't stand being upset. Mother goes to the school. Again, the school says to her, look, there's nothing we can do. These are just kids. And they do nothing. Well, ultimately, this girl, third grade, has the equivalent of a mental breakdown and is uh, refusing to go to school, sent to a therapist. Therapist documents what the complaints are, documents the fact that she's essentially been victimized by this other girl, and recommends in a formal letter that the school remove the girls, separate them from the same class. School psychiatrist received the letter, and said, we don't have to do that. It makes no sense. It made no sense at all, their decision not to separate these girls, but for the fact that they were influenced by whatever political pull they believed that Girl B's mother had, either in the town or with the school, and they didn't want to offend her. And it was at the expense of of this, this poor girl. So at the end of the day, the girl was out of school for a year and when 4th grade rolled around the school expected her to come back and unbelievably they put her in the same class with the bully again and um parents said no we're not sending her they explained the situation they explained what was going on in their their daughter's head all the therapy all the medication and the school said, that's silly. They're, they're kids. How, how can they you know, have those sorts of, of feelings? It's got to be something that you're doing at home. They told her that if they didn't bring her back to school, that they would file truancy charges. And the mother refused and said, not until we've got a guarantee that these kids are not going to be in the same class, that there's going to be some protections offered to, to my daughter. And the response by the principal, was to call Difus and have Difus go to this this woman's house, investigate her family, investigate this girl. Now, the girl, who was already in a a delicate state, now has to be interviewed by Difus. And sends her into, into essentially a relapse. She had made progress. And now The school is against her. The the principal is against her. The mother went down to the school with representation. And the principal was asked, what would possess him to do what he did? And his answer was, I believe it was in the best interest of your daughter. Ultimately, a lawsuit was filed. And the uh, school defended and they made all sorts of wild allegations about the mother, the way that she raised the child and the home life. But fortunately for the mother, she prevailed, and uh, the girl was taken out of the school, and uh, the township had to pay for private schooling for this girl. Now, this story is extremely disturbing, and it illustrates two things. It illustrates the fact that Bullying in schools, which is a hot topic, which everybody's talking about. Everybody, you know, all the schools have anti-bullying campaigns and policies. It's still something that certain schools and, and members of the schools and administrative staff, they don't take it seriously. It's it, 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 When it fits them, they'll take action on it. When the right person is being victimized, they'll take action. But it's not an across-the-board policy. They should be taking care of every student. It's really disgusting to hear that a school board would play favorites when a student, a young girl, is being victimized by somebody else. Completely inappropriate. Second thing to take from this is that you've got to take action as a parent. Whether it's legal, whether it's therapy related, you can't sit back. You've got to be your child's advocate. And you cannot allow a school board or an administrative staff to bully you into doing nothing. Your child depends on you. Your child relies on you. You are their voice. And when ten teachers and a principal tell you no, you're wrong, if you believe in your heart that you're not wrong and that something inappropriate is going on, you need to take action You need to fight for your child. Now, the next story is slightly different, but equally disturbing. And it involves a a fairly well publicized case that we were involved in uh, that took place in northern New Jersey and involved middle school students, one of whom was very outgoing very unique, had unique interests, was into theater and um, we're going to call him, you know, student A. And then there was his counterpart, student B, who was the exact opposite of student A. He was athletic. He was um, very muscular for a middle school kid, very aggressive and just had a different demeanor. He wasn't as gentle, if, if that's the right word, as student A. And in the past, prior to middle school, there had been some issues between the two kids, especially when they were on the bus together. Student B, um, not meaning to affect the Psyche of student uh, of student a, but just because it was fun and, and it was giving him popularity, he would pick on on this kid. It was wrong, but we're talking about fourth fifth grade, and he he didn't realize what he was doing well, this continued, and when they got into middle school and and now they developed physically and student a was on the on the skinnier side student b more muscular more aggressive, the bullying continued and People didn't see it in the school necessarily as bullying. They saw it as as this this horseplay and tomfoolery. So ultimately what happened is um, Student A had reported a series of events that made him uncomfortable, issues that had happened at the lunch table with Student B, name-calling, things that made him feel uncomfortable and unhappy. And he was going to the school guidance counselor and was explaining to her how he was feeling. And she fortunately was documenting this information and keeping it in his file. One day, while they were in gym class, student A was entering the locker room, student B followed. Student B had just completed a uh, athletic feat in the gym class, and the gym teacher had... No, congratulated him in front of all the other students and so student A um, sort of teased student B when he got into the locker room which was uncharacteristic of him but at some point when you know, you're know you victimized for a long enough period of time you you, you fight back and, and so he essentially made fun of him and said oh you know you're so good and, and kind of laughed and it embarrassed student B So as student B was exiting the locker room, he backhanded or or, used the back of his hand to make contact with student A's stomach. And he hit him hard enough that student A fell back into the wall and slouched to the ground. And unbelievably, but true, student A ended up becoming paralyzed from the neck down. And so now we're talking about a seventh-grade student who's paralyzed. Student Student B did not intend for it to happen. He didn't want to hurt the kid, not to that point. Student A and his parents sue the school. And the theory that they allege is: you have a bullying policy; it's 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 handed out in the handbook, yet you failed to enforce it. You were negligent. It's not good enough to have a policy, but you actually have to enforce it. And throughout the litigation, a lot of information was uncovered, specifically that a lot of the guidance counselor's concerns were not dealt with at the administrative level as they should have been. The guidance counselor would make notes to the school nurse, pass it by the vice principal and explain that she was concerned. And these concerns were not taken seriously. And the reported events of, you know, bullying, things that happened in the lunchroom, et cetera, were brushed aside. And the administration believed that student A was overly sensitive and that nothing real, quote unquote real, had, had occurred, and they did nothing about it. And ultimately, it led to a um, million-dollar settlement. But what good is the money when this boy is paralyzed for the rest of his life? The important thing here is, again, to highlight the fact that you must be your child's advocate. If your child comes home and talks to you about issues at school, you need to take action on it I don't recommend overreacting but calling a meeting discussing with the other students parents what has gone on discussing with the administration it's completely appropriate for you to do and you should do it if you have one of those children who keep to themselves and don't want to tell you too much about what's going on in school you have to try To get them to open up. And you might need to seek some sort of of guidance from a professional to help you communicate more effectively with your child. But it's critical that you understand what's going on so that you can take action to help your child. This boy had told his parents about the prior bullying events and they made note of it and they encouraged him to try to remedy the situation himself. He was a very smart kid. And unfortunately his attempts were, were thwarted and the parents didn't do enough in my opinion to bring to the school's attention, the issues that, that this child was, was dealing with. And ultimately we End up with the situation that I just explained. So the school had a duty. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, negligence supervision, the, the duty of a school board or an administrator. They have a duty to act in a manner as a reasonable person under the same circumstances would act in. So a principal in a school has a duty of care owed to every student. Requiring him to act as a reasonable principal under the same set of circumstances that you know, or set of circumstances that occur. So it was unreasonable in this case for the administrator, for the principal, to ignore the prior complaints, to fail to enforce their bullying policy. The court reasoned through motions, that a reasonable person, a reasonable principal under the same set of circumstances would have done something different. They would have met with both parents. They would have done something to prevent the situation from escalating, separated them, made sure they weren't in the same gym class, made sure that they didn't have lunch together, done something to try to remedy these two individuals issues and that wasn't done and therefore all the components of negligence were met which briefly are you know owing a duty of care breaching that duty of care having the individual whose duty was breached sustained damages be physical damages or mental damages and then a connection, a direct causal connection between the breach of duty and the damages. So those, those things generally are the four elements of a negligence claim and the school board was negligent. They failed to properly protect their students. Now this is important because bullying is a hot topic and a lot of Older generations, and, and sometimes you find them as principals of the school, don't truly understand the modern-day definition of bullying. They think back to their youth, when you know there were scuffles on the playground and um, stealing lunch money, stealing lunch. That was bullying. Maybe it wasn't called it. Maybe it wasn't defined as we define it today, but it was bullying, and it impacted other people. And as we've evolved as a society and and as technology has changed, as children have changed, they've become more worldly at an earlier age. It is up to us as a society to make sure that we identify and understand what bullying is, that it is a serious situation that needs to be dealt with immediately. It's not something that that you can take lightly and say, well, it only occurred once and therefore it doesn't theoretically meet the definition of bullying, which might be defined as some sort of ongoing harassment or ongoing issue. You know, it it, it can be equated to New Jersey's law, for example, on on dog bites. The law in New Jersey concerning a dog bite is that once you are bitten by a dog, the owner of that dog is liable for that bite. There's a duty imposed on a dog owner to maintain control of their dog. And if you're bitten by a dog, they are per se negligent. Now, compared to New York's law, which requires Notice of the dangerous propensity of an animal. In other words, it's a it's a free bite rule. So in New York, the owner of a dog gets away under most most circumstances um, with a free bite. Now, with with bullying and dealing with the administration of uh, handling situations like that, our students, our children shouldn't have to suffer through a free bite when there is incident one that affects a child it must be dealt with and you as parents or we as parents we must take action and we must bring it to the attention of the administration and the school board and if these individuals do not listen to you and they do not take your concerns seriously then you need to take additional action whether it is seeking an advocate on your behalf or an attorney to represent you, do not give up and do not let a school board or administration make you feel that you are overreacting. If your child comes home and is upset, you take that seriously. Because if you don't and the school does nothing, at the very least, your child could develop feelings of inadequacy, feel depressed, and at worst, could suffer serious injury, mental or physical. So it's important to be this active advocate, not just when we hear this term, you know, advocating on your child's behalf, we hear it most often associated with children who have you know, disabilities, mental or physical disabilities. And and it's true. Yes, you need to be an advocate for a, a child with special needs. But you do need to do the same thing with a child that does not have special needs. You know your child. You know when they're hurting. And you need to do something about it. Schools are responsible for taking care of your children when you drop them off in the morning. You are entrusting them to take care of your children. This duty, this legal obligation, this duty of care that they owe to your children stems from the fact that children must go to school. It is a law that children must go to school. And because it's not a voluntary action, because children are forced to go to school, administrators and teachers... Have this duty imposed upon them by law. And I'm not picking on teachers or administrators because the vast majority of them have children's best interests at heart. They care. They want to protect your children. But the story that I I mentioned to you, the case involving the, the paralyzed kid, That administrator cared. He didn't want anything to happen to the children. He didn't want anything to happen to to that student. But he was not pushed by the parents to the point of taking action. And his failure to act constituted negligence. We cannot rely on administration and teachers to identify issues all the time. We must be there as parents to protect our children. We've had conversations with some parents, unfortunately most of them men, who believe that a little bit of teasing is okay or that their children are a little too sensitive. We've seen thousands of cases where parents or one parent believed just that, took no action and the child Ended up getting hurt. Most of them are not as severe as paralysis, but broken bones, emotional upset, poor grades. There's no such thing as harmless teasing. While bullying has become a popular term It's always been around, and no matter what you want to call it, it's always had an impact on our children. Talk to your children about not being a bully, about aiding those children who are being victimized, about reporting it to the administration and staff, about talking to you about their feelings, either about things that are happening to them or things they're observing about others. And don't take the position that so many parents take. It's not happening to my kid, so I don't need to get involved. I want to stay out of this. Don't mention it to anybody because I don't want anybody to to feel badly about me. I don't want anybody to say that I'm a Budinsky. You could be saving a child anguish and pain. And while there's no legal duty imposed upon us as parents... To report incidents that we see or hear about from our children, about other kids who are being victimized. I think we have a moral obligation to do something to protect children. So I urge you get involved, alert people in charge of. Issues that your children have identified to you. You know, mommy, I saw Johnny today and he was upset because little Timmy had threatened him in the bathroom. Called him names. Made, fa- made fun of the fact that, that his father had, had, had died. Take action. Be a hero. Do something. Alert the school because you could be saving that child. Well, this has been a uh, interesting journey over the past three weeks, talking about back to school and protecting your children. And I hope that our listeners have gained some additional information concerning bullying and its impact and negligent supervision and protecting our children. It's critical that we do all we can to protect our children, and to listen to them. Now, if you have questions about this topic, although we're going to move on next week, I encourage you to call us at 973-949-3770. If you've got issues about schooling that you need to discuss or advice that you need, uh, we'd be happy to take your call and, and to address it with you. Uh, If you would prefer to email us, you can do so. My direct email is plamont at peterlamont, it's L-A-M-O-N-T-E-S-Q dot com. I would like to thank you for joining us, and I look forward to next week when we start a brand new topic.